lot of people think that disorders stop at like 18, which I think is so hilarious. That it's like, what, we, t- we turn 18 and we suddenly no longer have anorexia? Well, and what's interesting, and I didn't actually know this fact until, you know, I started kind of really sharing my story with people is that um, if you are diagnosed with an eating disorder, you know, closer to, you know, your 20s, um, even your 30s, and you get help pretty much right then, it is rare that you have to go back to treatment. What are you doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, Facing my marriage-ending affair or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. Okay, I've got a great episode today. And this is with my friend Lucy Bear. And Lucy is someone that first I met through my friend Christina. She's in a she's in her mastermind and I love Lucy. She does photography. And so we met through that. And then, you know, I shared my story about adoption and found out that she was adopted. So we got on a call and connected in that way. And then she wrote this post, and it was a post about her being in treatment for an eating disorder that she'd had for a lot of her life. And it was a really powerful, powerful post to the point that I messaged her and said, I need to have you come on my podcast. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this discussion because most people think that eating issues or disorders kind of stop in like early 20s. Yet we're meeting and seeing more and more eating issues on the rise. And it's because we're seeing more restrictive dieting, you know, um, social media, all the things. So I'm excited to have Lucy on today to talk to you guys. So get ready for a great episode. Okay. So now that I've got you introduced, Lucy, I am so excited to have you on my podcast today. Welcome. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. And I know you were expecting how many weeks left? So I'm 33 weeks, so about six weeks and five days. And I'm counting them down. I'm so (laughs) I'm done. I'm over this. It's like after about 30 weeks, like I love and I loved being pregnant, but you do get to that place where when you're uncomfortable and you're just like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Well, and it's like my husband freaks out because I'm like, you know, if you want to come now, you can come now, you know, you'll be in the NICU for a few days, but you'll be (laughs) fine. And he's like, we do not want her born right now. I'm like, Chris, I'm kidding, but I can't breathe. So (laughs) it needs needs to hurry up so bad, but I'm loving it. Summertime pregnancy. That's, that's a tough one. Yes. If you're not at the pool, you're miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to have you on, you know, we, we talk a lot about creating our best self and I go through a lot of, you know, talking about modeling and things that we learn, you know, growing up, but you had a post, um, a few months ago that really, really touched me because I'm in the the health and fitness space. And I find that what people think is healthy is not always healthy and it's not really talked a lot about. And so you talked about your eating disorder and your, your treatment time. And it was very, very moving to me so much that I was like, I have to have you on and we need to talk about this because it's not talked a lot about, and it's not even talked about in adulthood. And that is where we're missing. We're only thinking that it's in our children. If we're not fixing it here, then it's being passed on. And I've seen that in my own relationships with clients where they've been like, and they don't want to even call it what it is, you know, like, well, they're having binges. That's where maybe it starts. Then it might be purging, you know, so take me, because it always starts somewhere way back. Take me to your history. I mean, let's talk about your childhood and where it started. Yeah. So And it's taken a lot of therapy for me to remember exactly how it started, because the truth is, is that 
you know, I had a great childhood. Um, there was no big trauma. There was no abuse. Um, the only, you know, kind of thing I had growing up was that I'm adopted. And I did not know my birth mother. It was a closed adoption. You've talked about that on yeah, your show. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah. And so there was a big lack of identity. There is a big, I don't know who I am. Um, you know, my adoptive mom, my mom, um, very book smart, very just all these things that I was not. And so I think from an early age, even though no one in my family made me feel that way, I felt like a black sheep a little bit. Um, And so looking back, I was about eight years old and which is scary because my daughter um, will be eight in March. So um, my uncle was getting married and I was a big tomboy. I always wore oversized clothing but he was getting married. I was a flower girl, had to wear a dress. And I remember being eight years old, looking in the mirror in the hotel and thinking, my stomach's really big. I don't like this. And the rest of the day was just in an absolute shit mood. Um, Did not want to talk to anyone. I didn't really at the time equate it with food. Mm. And, and, and I don't think, you know, my, my eight-year-old is already kind of having just from, you know, society in general, some thoughts about her body, but she doesn't realize that, you know, there can be a correlation between what your body looks like and what you're putting in, in with food. So it didn't, it was simply a thought and I didn't like how I looked. The wedding was over. I went back to oversized clothing. Um, Fast forward to about 12, um, I got heavily involved with tennis. Um, Sports was kind of everything to me. I did it all, but um, I got very much on the, you know, I wanted to be a pro tennis player. So I wanted to do everything I possibly could to make myself the best player out there. Um, I did not have a coach. I did not have anyone ever comment on my body which I find kind of interesting for my case, because you typically hear like the ballet teacher told me I was Mm -hmm. fat. The tennis coach told, you know, no one ever told me anything. I took it upon myself to get a little bit smaller so I could be faster on the tennis court. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from there, I mean, it really, that was about 14 years old. And um, from there, it just, it went south really, really quickly. Um, You know, besides just the dramatic weight loss, um, the social, you know, I had to be pulled out of school to go to treatment centers. Um, It just, you know, my journey into the mental health world started very, very young. So, yeah. Wow. So 14, you're already, you're going in and out of treatment. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now I, and you know, I was pretty naive about this kind of stuff. It wasn't an, I like when I got to college, I remember having a girlfriend come over to my house for like, I lived on the big Island, but my college was over on Oahu. So we went over to where I was from for the weekend. So she came home with me. And so, you know, you're in close proximity with someone and you're kind of with them more often. And so that's when you kind of see if people are eating or not, you know, because if you're in college, you don't see it. And I was still oblivious to it because she'd not ate like anything apparently for almost all of the day. And then we went to dinner that night and I used to work at a place that was like teppanyaki where they cook in front of you, you know? Right, right. And so we went there and she like destroyed dinner. I'm talking like destroyed to the point that at the time my was, I ended up marrying him, but he was my boyfriend was like, I mean, she's crushing it. Right. But on the way home, she wanted to stop at the gas station and she picked up, I think Metamucil or something like not Metamucil. It was like, you know, Miralax or something. It was a liquid. She drank the entire thing when we got back to the house. And that was when my boyfriend at the time said to me, she's got an eating disorder. And I, I said, she said her tummy's upset from eating too much. Like I was that naive that people did it as a regular thing. And so that was my first, you know, touch point. But what she told me after I found out her issues later in life, that she learned a lot of her stuff in treatment after she went in. So talk to me about that. Like, so you, so 14, you're, you're in and out of treatment. 
Yeah. What was high school life for you? Like, and at that point, were you really, really thin? Was it obvious or were you a failing? Because, you know, there's a failing anorexic, right? Oh, the atypical anorexic, which just makes my blood boil. Anorexia is anorexia. You know, right. eating disorder is an eating disorder. There's no, but yes, for me, um, you know, it was ninth grade was pretty chill. Um, you know, the the disorder hadn't really just taken over me yet. But, you know, by 10th grade, people thought that I was a cokehead. People thought that I was on drugs. Um, so it was very mixed between you look like shit, what drugs are you on to, oh my gosh, how are you losing this much weight? You look amazing. You look this. And, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of different thoughts on eating disorders and are they attention seeking? Are they, um, you know, and for me, this is just me and my personal story. When I first started losing weight, I did start getting more attention, but it was more the form of like, you know, I, I started equating, I'm worried about you to I love you. Mm -hmm. And so, and I craved people loving me. I, it's all I wanted was just to be loved and accepted by everybody. So the sicker I got, the more worried people were about me, which made me feel more loved, Um, you know? And so I think initially some of my behaviors did start out as attention. Here we are, you know, some 16 years later, (laughs) and I realized that it's a lot a lot more layered than that. But yeah, high school was, um, I wasn't, I wasn't around a lot. I was, um, if I wasn't in, you know, the hospital, um, I was skipping school to go. I mean, I would nap in my car. I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to avoid it. I didn't want people asking me about, you know, what I was eating, what I wasn't eating. Um, I knew I couldn't be home because my parents wanted me at school. And so I would go drive around town, you know, during the day and then find a place to park and nap because I had no energy, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it just was a consuming, I do think that it's a disease that I wish people would talk more about because I know me not even being that extreme with my eating issues, it consumes your life. Like it actually consumes because you have to have food to live. Right. So it's such a, it's not like someone that is like a Coke addict that you're like, okay, no more Coke. (laughs) Now we can live. Right. right? It's, it's okay. Well now, and, and, and we got to do the reverse, you know, because what people don't realize with anorexia, it's no different than an overeater in a way. Like it's the control. It's a mind, Mm -hmm. a mind. It starts in the mind and whether it's unconscious, like you mentioned the attention, I think a lot of it is the unconscious. It's a, it's -hmm. like when we talk about our human needs, you know, I met a a woman in her thirties, right. When I got into like teaching, um, you know, aerobics and stuff, I met this, this girl, we became good friends and she had a, you know, killer body. And then I watched over the next year, her lose like 20 pounds. And I didn't know that Mm -hmm. she had just come in and out of treatment, like three times as a mom, like going through it as a mom, I'd never met like a a mother, you know? And so it was the first time again, then out my adult life that I'm like, wow, this happens like as adults. So I was so curious. I, uh, and she allowed me to ask her questions all the time. And that's why I was excited to even have you on because for her, she used to say, she goes, at first, it did start as like concern, care. And since people are saying something to you, because I said, because when she got really sickly looking, I mean, I'll be honest, like she had such a killer body before, like just an energy and could train to the point where she looked, you know, sick. Right. And so I asked her, you know, when you've been chasing and that's where people are so mistaken, it's so much in the head because you know, you're not even happy with where you are. You're miserable at every place. Correct. Oh, correct. But that attention, whether it be even negative, is still in your head. It's care. And so for her, it was her husband's attention Mm. because he got concerned. And it just became like a neural pathway that became an addiction for her because her husband would care more that she was under eating. He would ask her every day if she was eating. So when she started to get better, she had that year of getting better. The attention stopped. So talk to me about, because I know yours continued on. Like a lot of people think that disorders stop at like 18, which I think is so hilarious. It's like, what, we we turn 18 and we suddenly no longer have anorexia? Well, and what's interesting, and I didn't actually know this fact until, you know, I started kind of really sharing my story with people is that 
Um, if you are diagnosed with an eating disorder, you know, closer to, you know, your twenties, um, even your thirties and you get help pretty much right then it is rare that you have to go back to treatment. Um, it is, it's much more possible for you to make a full recovery, not going back in any way, shape or form. If you're older than say, you know, my case, which was, getting sick from a young age, which it, I mean, I don't know. It just kind of, it's interesting to me that that it is. I, I think that's why it's something that's so important to talk about because there isn't just the, the typical signs or the typical things to look for. I mean, you had a great childhood. You know, I love that you mentioned the identity aspect of it because I do think that one thing that we can do for our children is, and I just had this on my um, podcast recently, but it's something children should do is create core values. If you have things that you're chasing, and I know it sounds so silly and people might be laughing and rolling their eyes right now, but when you start to create the identity that you want from a young, young age, and you're choosing that, we start to have less of this uncertainty. I mean, I'm seeing it with my young kids. They're taking a personal development course for kids. I love that. That's and awesome. it has been amazing because kids at that age take things little don't you want the things that they're soaking in to be the like my kids actually believe words have legit like superpower because they've been told it at you know what I mean and so think about if you would have had that identity of knowing that you were loved you know because you had great parents you know and I think that is so important because so many people are looking for like the problems they had and that isn't always the case with eating issues and parents don't need to shame themselves Right. Right. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I spent, God, I remember just family sessions. We would just try to figure out, like, I mean, they, you know, I had some therapists here and there that would pretty much make me feel like something really bad happened in childhood that I was just like suppressing. No, nothing. This was not. And you know, I've met my birth parents now. Um, right. That's another story, but I've gotten my medical history and there is not, um, at least on my mo- mother's side, I don't know about my dad, but there's no alcoholism, um, addiction, there's some depression, but, you know, this is not, this, this was not environmental, I guess is what hmm. I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah. When you got into your 20s, how did that, well, I mean, cause I know getting pregnant, getting married probably had an effect because now you have a new partner that's around you, sees you, is aware of it. So talk to me about meeting your husband, yeah. that relationship, how he found out, because you still battled that. Was it on and off? Was it, you know, it, it had pretty much. So I met Chris, I met my husband when I was 22 and, um, it was one of those just, you know, we had mutual friends. We decided to all get together. Um, he had a son or has a son, um, at the time Cole was two. Um, but we just kind of immediately clicked, um, just a lot of similar values and thoughts. And, um, I will say we moved <laughs> very, very fast. Um, both Chris and I are incredibly impulsive, when we want something, we want it, we go after it. So <clears throat> our time frame was pretty much, we met in February. We started dating in March, um, moved in together in April, found out we were pregnant with my daughter in June. Oh, wow. We're married by October. And then my daughter came the following March. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we didn't we didn't waste any time, any time at all. But um, you know, he knew about um about my history. Um at that point I had been out of treatment for about four years. Um, you know, I kind of told him about who I become when I'm engulfed in that eating disorder. Um, you know, he would hear stories from my parents. My mom and I have a great relationship where we can kind of joke about some of the the banter that went between us during that time. And so he had heard about it, but, you know, you can't experience what it's like to live with an addict, with, you know, someone that's eating disordered until you actually experience it. Um, And I remember I found out I was pregnant with, with my daughter, like I said, in June. And I just remember praying that it was a boy. I was just like, I mean, on my knees, 
please God, let this be a boy. I cannot raise a girl in this world. Can't do it. And of course, I get a, yeah, I get a little girl, of course, who's, you know, absolutely wonderful. And here we are seven years later with another girl. Right. right. The way. So I'm starting to think that maybe I am, you know, probably the best equipped to raise girls. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think, and, and that's important as cheesy as it will sound. I mean, I do think Lucy, I mean, this is going to be a big message for you. I mean, it was why when I saw your post, I'm like, man, this is where you shine. This is uh, so powerful. I mean, I was like really, really moved because people don't want to talk about the raw side of it. They don't want to talk about, you know, you went back into treatment, what, 2017? 2017 when my daughter was four. Yeah. So and talk it, to me about that. Where do you think, you know, because here you'd had four years and this is what people need to, because I think like, because it's mental health, right? Yeah. And I really feel like mental health has to be a daily practice. So I think that a lot of us, like the mistake that we may make with eating issues, because I know like I lost my weight 17 years ago. So I lost mm -hmm. my 90 pounds 17 years ago, but I also went all the way over to one, like I went from 230 clear down to 116. And I went from about 150 to 116. It was a very unhealthy yeah. eating disordered, very, you know, like try to eat as little as possible until you'd finally gorge. You know, I never threw yeah. up. I always said, thank God, like God made me hate throwing up because I just couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, but you know, so I went through that phase and I still to this day, 17 years later, realize that it is a daily practice with the self-love it is Absolutely. a daily practice with the like you know constantly doing these things so do you think that maybe you it was just a blind spot for you or did something happen because they do say that sometimes trauma or other events because I have a mother-in-law that we won't talk about right now that had you know <laughs> 20 plus years of of anorexia but she had a traumatic event that made it trigger again for her yeah um in her 60s oh. so so talk to me about you know after you have a baby, you know, yeah. after you have Harper, right? Yeah. So Harper was born and I, I mean, and I was good for, for a few months and, and I forget about this period, but I had a pretty significant relapse when she was about nine months old. And, um, it was probably the only time that I've relapsed and gotten myself out of it without having to have like go to treatment or be hospitalized basically. But she was born in 2013 and that's when Instagram got really, really big and not just Instagram, but the Instagram mom. And, mm. you know, you would see these moms with teeny tiny newborns in the perfect body. Yeah. And so, you know, that luckily I was able to pull myself out of that. But um, what happened was I got a career, um, you know, for so many years. Um, I mean, yeah, for the good four years with Harper, my identity, once again, pretty much revolved around being her mother. Mm -hmm. um, I think subconsciously, I felt like that was the only thing I was good at was being a mom to her. Well, insert a career change where um, I was working with a friend. We were doing accounting. Um, she had her own accounting firm. Well, then we decided to open up a children's clothing store. And what happened was I started working all the time, 24 seven. And it wasn't, you know, I, I said back then I found a purpose outside of being a mother, but really what it was, was I wanted to please this boss of mine so bad. I'm a big people pleaser mm. type two. Um, and I drove, I drove myself into exhaustion and that's kind of when some of the old habits started coming back, the not eating, the throwing up. Um, and then I don't know that it was going on for about for a couple months. And then all of a sudden my brain just switched and I turned into this sick, um, don't talk to me, don't be around me. All of my energy, all of my energy at that point went into trying to be a good mom. Mm. And 
I, I remember a friend of mine told me that I needed to go to therapy. If I didn't go to therapy, she was going to call DHS on me. Um, wow. And I was like, and mind you, my husband was not, he saw the weight loss, um, which again, that doesn't always with eating disorders, not everyone loses weight. I will yes. say that, but you could tell with me, but he just, he didn't put it together at the time. Um, but it got bad. It got bad really fast. And um, yeah, she told me that she was going to call DHS because me driving her around was basically like an alcoholic driving drunk. Um, wow. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very like, oh, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do something. So I went to therapy, I got a new therapist, um, I hadn't been in about four years. And she fired me after the second meeting and said, you need to go to treatment. I can't wait to work with you when you get home. But right now, you have to go somewhere. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it was the hardest, um, you know, in the past, I've loved going to treatment. Um, you know, there's kind of like a sense of community there. Right. Uh, but this was the first time that I was really like, I, I can't leave my child. I cannot do it. Um, and I did. And it was the best thing that could have happened. But that it took a lot. And I think that that is the selfless thing. And I think, you know, because with this friend that I knew in my thirties that had been in treatment before her hesitation for going back was because she felt like she was a bad mom. And I said to her, not going is going to make you feel more like that. Like, I promise you that your kid, cause she was like, I am, cause her daughter was like in kindergarten. And so mm, yeah. it was going to be like something that would be probably rememberable for her. And, um, you know, she, she knew it, but just, it was so hard for her. But, you know, I think that's where it's important to have friendships, you know, that give you the support to do that. Sometimes the tough love, but also yeah. that support of like, I'm here for you because I think people get impatient with eating disorders. I don't know what oh. it is about eating disorders. They feel like you're just, Oh gosh, you're just, just making this something. all about you. Just eat a cheeseburger. Just have, have a good meal. Just snap out of it. I mean, it's, um, and it's crazy because eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any other mental illness. The well, highest. And not to scare anyone listening to this, but so my mother-in-law, um, we actually did not know that she had anorexia. Eric and I knew that she had some like major dieting, like obsessions, because that's all she ever talked about every, you know, all, all, all the time. Um, all of her life, she was kind of like the struggling dieter, but she had a couple times where she'd gotten really, really, you know, thin, but not really thought anything of it. Fast forward to her sixties, um, her husband died. And it was like not, you know, expected. So she was just barely like maybe 57, I think at the time. And she went through this like change, like she, you know, and then I think the attention from that, like, cause it was like, then she wanted to keep going down that path and she'd already had the history. Well, let me tell you what this has done to her. And it's where people really need to be serious. So she had type two diabetes and like she'd been diagnosed, but because she was so afraid to gain weight, she wouldn't take her, um, one, she wouldn't take her medication. And then she refused to go on insulin when they kept saying to her, you're mismanaging your diabetes. You need to go on insulin. So she re refused. Well, she is now, I think she's just, she just turned 70, but at 67, she was in a nursing home because she mismanaged her diabetes so much that she, like she has atrophy in her brain. She has dementia, but because of her eating disorder, they took the, the, the government ended up coming in and they're like, listen, if you don't become power of attorney for her, because we, we didn't have a relationship, unfortunately, at that time with her, if you don't come in as we're going to take her. She, when we went into her home, she was under 90 pounds. Um, and I ended up taking her, we took her to dinner one night and it was so sad because she goes, look, can you see, look how, how flat my stomach is. And I was so sad because I took a picture because her legs were the size of my arms. And she was, I mean, to the point we had to put her, you know, I mean, they were like, at that point, we put her on the nursing home list. She got in within two days because she was considered such, you know, high risk. And it was all from people don't realize this malnourishment, like what it does to your brain. Oh, and it wow. made me so sad because here she was 90 pounds and she was actually happy that, cause, I mean, you could see her bones and she mm -hmm. was just like, look, my stomach is flat. And 
I said to Eric, I'm like, this is just the worst disease that people just don't talk about. And then we, we got her medical records. We became her power of attorney. We found out that she'd had a 28 year battle with anorexia. Wow. And we had no idea. Well, and I mean, I'll tell you, I've been in treatment centers with um, women that are in their late fifties and sixties with feeding tubes who have been in treatment their whole life. And I remember the last go around back in 2017, there was one woman in particular um, who wanted so bad to get better. I mean, her kids were grown. She had grandkids, um, but she, she couldn't, she could not stop. And I remember telling myself, I wrote it down in my journal. I do not want to be 60 years old living in a treatment center with a feeding tube. And that's a powerful moment. I had a powerful one and it was only a few years ago, but it was about body positivity. We were in Mexico and we were sitting on the side and there was a lady in the, in the water and she had to be probably 65 and she was wearing full blown like shorts in the water. And like, she had like a tank top on. It was obvious that like everyone else is in like regular clothes and, and keep in mind, I mean, cause we all know it's all about inside her head. Like she wasn't like she was a big person, you know, but we all know that means nothing right to the person that has the issues. However, I sat there and I listened to her conversation and her husband was telling her like, you know, aren't you hot? Like take your shorts off and stuff. And she was like, really just saying awful things about, you know, herself. Mm-hmm. And I said to Erica, I go, I never want to be 65 and still, still not having the pieces to life that make me happy because little did she know you can have a bikini body today. It's called take off your clothes, wear your bikini and walk in the water. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it, it's so much. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, it does come from that, you know, obviously identity. I'm so glad that you said that first, because I think people are still looking for like strategies or another diet or something like that. That's going to make them happier when you don't know what that influencer did to get to where they are. You don't know. I mean, nowadays with the way that you can Photoshop everything, you know, I always say to clients, like, please do not follow people that they're showing you the comparisons that you have no idea what it took to get there. You don't know what they're doing. They could be lying to you. They can tell you all they want and you don't know what they are living like inside. You know, and that's where, you know, what is our definition of healthy? You know, now I'm sure you noticed. Yeah. Society's definition. It's, you know, it's being thin and yes, the I'm so one thing I'm so grateful for social media for doing is bringing to light um, diet culture and health at every size. I learn things every day. I used to think that if you were skinny, you were healthy. And turns out you can be in a larger body. You can be considered obese by doctors and be completely healthy. Yes. And I think that's really important. I think it's really opened our eyes. I mean, there have been, you know, a lot of negative things with social media, but the positives have been us finally seeing like real bodies. I know that sounds so silly, but for me and just being in the fitness arena, I am super crit. I was always so super critical of myself. And I just assumed that everyone looked like the cover of these magazines. Right. And it wasn't until we started seeing some of these people that shared, Hey, I've got cellulite. This is what my photo looks like from the front guys. This is what I look like in a magazine, but now let me walk around for you. And I'm like, so like relieved, you know, to see stuff like that because I do think that women have such a, you know, high pedestal to, to be on from such a young age. Yes. And while, yes, we are seeing more of this body positivity, it is really our job as parents to share it more with our kids and really be open with it. What are some of the things that you think parents should be doing or, or even just adults? What do you think, you know, like if you could go back in time and teach you some of the things, maybe even after high school, when you got out that first time, what are, what are some things that you could share? I think, I mean, speaking on the parenting for sure, you know, my, my eight or seven year old, um, she is very scary aware of what her body looks like. And um, she compares 
herself to other people. Um, I know that that is not from anything I have said to her or, you know, luckily she has not seen me in the depths of my eating disorder. Um, but I'm already having to have those conversations with her about other people's bodies and that, you know, we don't judge someone based on their size. We don't know the health of someone just because they're incredibly skinny or they are considered to be overweight. Um, I think the biggest one is to not put so much emphasis on food. Yes. Um, I think, you know, and, and I have friends with young kids who, you know, I hear them say to their kids, this is junk food. Um, you know, chips are bad for you. You mm. just ate five minutes ago. And, and it's so hard because even I want to tell my daughter sometimes like you just ate 30 minutes ago. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need to eat. And the, I mean, like these things go through my head, but I tell her, I'm like, you, you need food. You need food. It's energy. It helps you run faster. It helps you play with your friends. Um, but I try really hard not to say things like chips are bad for you. Car, you know, just she's yeah. hearing it. She's already hearing it at school. She's hearing it from teachers. She's hearing it from friends. She doesn't yeah. need to hear it at home. And I think that's really important. Like we don't, you know, I, one, I'm, I'm an anti- teenage anti I don't think anyone should be dieting before they're like 18 like okay. I just won't I, like I won't take on a client I don't believe in it I'm really anti it when I do have parents ask me because lots of people ask me I'm always like model it be the example buy the things make the things that are accessible like the healthy things accessible you know don't demonize food like we don't have things in our house that are good or bad it's funny because people think oh you guys are both like fitness coaches your house must be like no no cereal no pop tarts i'm like are you crazy of course we have all of those things we teach our kids that there's no such thing as good or bad that yeah. it's there's only such thing as good or bad amounts. And it is all based on what our bodies need. And I usually give the example of medication because I've been on a lot of medication over the last seven years. And a lot of times it's been based on my weight because they have to dose it. Like when I go and get put under anesthesia, I tell my kids, listen, they have to know my weight. And then just based on that, there's an exact amount that they need that's perfect to keep me asleep the right. But when you look at your nutrition, guess what? There is an exact amount, believe it or not, that makes you healthy. It's called maintenance. Like it's, it's to maintain a healthy body. And some, if we overconsume in anything, it can be overconsuming celery or overconsuming Twinkies. It's, you know, and we've tried to do that, but we really stay away from like numbers. We stay away from, I mean, they see us do things, um, but I've been really careful because I was the obsessive mom when my daughter, my oldest daughter was young and she, you know, she's 17 now. Luckily she didn't really, she knows better because she actually calls it my crazy years. Cause she's like, mom, do you remember when you like, I was like, you turned, I think it was my birthday when I was turning maybe 30 and I did a protein pancake instead of like, I mean, heaven forbid I have a piece of freaking cake, Amy. And so she laughs about, you know, me doing a lot of cardio back in the day. And luckily, you know, no, no different, but we celebrate like in our house, like if, if you, you know, muscular legs and, and it like, it's not about being skinny, like skinny's not cool at all. Like I don't, it, it's, it's not even about judging the body. It's just about really just, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's so important for us to see that with our kids because right. a lot of parents act helpless and I'm always like, well, guess what? It starts with you. So what are your eating habits like? I mean, cause if you're driving through, you know, the drive through every night, then your kids are going to grow up and that's, you know, what they're going to, to be too. And, you know, for us, it's been a really, it's been a blessing in disguise. So Christian, who is, um, so Eric has two kids, you know, I have two kids and we have Leilani. So Christian is his second. So he's nine years old and, and he, he's, he's a little, for lack of a better word, chubby, you know, I, it's probably an age thing, whatever, but it has been something that obviously we've been aware of. And I said to Eric, I go, where the blessing in this has been is nothing is changing in our, in our, in our lives. But what it made us more aware of is so many parents judge their kids based on the outside. And they assume since their kids are skinny, that it's okay. Right. And I was guilty of this, Lucy, like my older kids, I let them eat shit. 
because I was like, they're little <laughs> sticks. Doesn't even matter. When Christian started struggling, I changed everything in my house because I didn't want him to know of any changes. I wanted to make sure that it was my control and I will make healthy tacos and I will do, you know, we still do burgers and everything, but I knew that if I could control that. And I, I said to Eric, I'm like, Christian will end up being one of the, this, his experience will be our biggest blessing because you realize that it's your habits. It's, it's your habits. It's not about some magic. And so that he can grow up, you know, like you said, asking your kids, you know, don't tell your kids when they're not hungry. I try to like my kids will ask for things just like any other kid. They want the junk. Like I get it. Right. So they'll come to me. Hey mom, can, can I have a fruit roll up? And I always usually will question back. I'll go, okay, well, does it feel like, what are, are you hungry? Like, what's your, are you wanting like just something? Because I want them to start to pay attention. Like, are you really hungry body. right now? Yeah. Exactly. It's like what you said. Don't assume and say, well, you just ate 10 minutes ago. Ask the question back. Okay, well, what, ma- you know, what makes you feel like you want to have something? Is it because is your stomach growling? Because they don't, they might not realize it's just a habit of coming by the kitchen because they're bored. Exactly. Yeah. It's so, um, and talk about having two kids, you know, my stepson is 10 years old. My daughter is seven. They have completely different bodies, you know? And so it's just, it it has to be universal. The things I say to him are the things I'm going to say to her. And, um, you know, another thing that uh, a friend of mine recommended that I do with my daughter, I reached out to her and was just like, you know, she, she thinks she's fat. She does. She's seven years old and she thinks she's fat. And, you know, how, what do I do? How do I, you know, show her that her body is wonderful without being like, Hey, your body's wonderful. And, you know, one thing she suggested was that I start walking around the house in a sports bra and letting her now I'm pregnant. So it's a little different, but, you know, letting her see that some days mommy's tummy is bloated. And it might look a little bigger and I'm totally okay with it. Other days, and it was just like, that is genius. Like you're hitting hitting me right now because I'm going, I don't do that enough. And I need to normalize that. I mean, you can just, like, it doesn't need to be perfect to be seen. Looking in the mirror. Yeah. I mean, she watches me look at myself in the mirror, smile when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, not, you know, pinching myself and body checking that I'm like, Oh, look at me. I look good. Even if I feel like shit, let the kid see how I feel about my body. Because at some level they realize, you know, that she came from me. So if I love my body, maybe she should love hers. Exactly. Exactly. And there's just so much power in that. I mean, I think that our, even the energy, sometimes we don't even have to be saying anything. Our kids can pick up on how we're feeling. So you might even be listening right now and be like, I don't even talk about these things with my kids, but you know, they're, why are they picking up on some of that? And sometimes it's just, it's the lack of what we're saying. It's the, you know, it's, it's, when you're going out to the mall, they watch you. They're watching your reactions to things, your expressions. You don't have to say anything, but if, if they see frustration or whatever, you know, they're going to pick up on that. And then that's, you know, if they're in that, you know, beta wave, that young age, they're like, well, should I feel that it's kind of like for you at eight, having that moment, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. How should I feel right now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the other thing that as parents, you know, I have to give myself grace because there is a big possibility that my daughter will develop an eating disorder, not so much because of anything that I'm doing, except just having the genetics for it. But, you know, society, there's all kinds of reasons. And if that happens, like I said, at the beginning, you know, finding out that, I have, I'm having a girl and then having another girl, like I'm going to be the best equipped to help her if that happens. And yep. so being able to kind of give myself grace in the fact of, you know, okay, if she, you know, doesn't like herself, if she grows up and has some self-hate here and there, let's give me a little bit of grace and figure out how I can help her instead of taking it out on me, beating myself up. And, and having those real talks. I mean, I've, 
had my fair share of making mistakes when my kids were younger and, you know, especially my older kids. And so it's like just being transparent. It's crazy how if we can just be honest with our kids and be like, this is just what I went through. This is my experience. And just being real and raw. It's amazing how, I mean, one, they're resilient Two, they're forgiving. And three, they respect you more because you're being honest with them, you know, and you're telling them, you know, I don't have all the answers for you. You know, like I say that to my kids often. I'm like, I really don't know. Guess what? You guys didn't come with a manual. And no one told me that I could continue to tuck you in after eight. So I stopped like, sorry, you know what I mean? Like, I, It's just funny. We make these assumptions, you know? So where does this, you know, do you hope to share your message with more people? I mean, I know that you have been sharing a little bit, you know, here and there, what is your mission in, in, in sharing your story? I think it's really just to, to bring awareness to it, because like you said at the beginning, you know, um, eating disorders, um, or even disordered eating, um, it is, it's just not, it's not talked about and it, a lot of shame comes with it. And, you know, I feel like I've always kind of been an open book around friends and family about it. But ever since I started, you know, that first post that you've been referring to and, you know, some other other things along the way. Um, I have two girls right now that I've talked to that are now in treatment wow. because they did not realize, you know, what was going on with them until they heard my story. So if I can help anyone who is, you know, struggling, who thinks they have a problem, whose family member does, um, you know, I had so much support when I was sick. A lot of people don't, but I did. Um, and so I would love to, you know, just just carry that for them and be be an example to <laughs> to the girls that I have. And not and and and, and not seeing this as a, as a shameful thing. If if you're listening and you're like, I have some disordered eating, or I have some areas, you know, like I can think back to when I knew I had some issues. One was I didn't trust myself with food in the trash. Yeah, I started to feel like I needed to put it in the disposal, like, cause I felt like I might, and, and I was like, what is, and, and again, you know, I can share this now, but I'm sad that I had nobody back then that I felt like I could even share some of my feelings or thoughts of what I was, you know, just going through. Right. And, you know, I mean, now people are, of course, you know, sharing more. Do you find that you sharing that story allowed people to then maybe they weren't, you know, Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, another kind of um, thing that I've been hearing a lot is that um, people feel like they're not sick enough to get help. Um, you know, with eating disorders, it is so much anorexia, you know, that that is the eating disorder. And when you are anorexic, you are skin and bones, you are dying. And that is not all an eating disorder is. There are all different kinds, um, you know. I remember the second time that I had to go to treatment, I was not at the weight that I was at the first time I went. Therefore, I thought I have more weight to lose. I'm not I'm not sick enough when, you know, the day before I was contemplating suicide. I mean, right. and so if I can, you know, help anyone realize that you do not have to weigh a certain amount, you don't have to look a certain way to get help, you know, it'll it'll help people. <sighs> Yes, I, that's so important. Don't be seeing this as you need to be at a certain place or the stereotypical, you know, it's, it's more of what's happening up here in your oh, head. absolutely, yeah. Becoming less of you and more of the disease and it being control of you at that point. And I think that's where, you know, people, um, you talked a lot about therapy. I just kind of want to wrap up with that. I think that is such an important thing because you're so open about that. You know, how did you find a therapist? How did you go in researching? Like, let's say someone right now is like, all right, I've got some issues. Where do I start? Do I just look for like a therapist that is specializes in eating? Yeah. Um, I recommend going to your local Facebook. Um, for me there, um, I see a lot in like, uh, female groups, uh, you know, saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this, this, and this, does anyone have a therapist? And what you find is instead of a Yelp review, 
you get, oh my gosh, I worked with Dr. So-and-so. She helped me so much. I mean, my first therapist came about, you know, from my parents. They did, they did all the research. The other therapists that, you know, I've had were in treatment centers. And then this last one that I've been with, um, I'm still with the therapist that fired me, you know, about mm-hmm. three years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I found her just Googling and asking around, but I think, you know, if you kind of know what's going on within your head, it's a lot easier to see who can help you. I agree. We're in an information era that it's almost hard to decipher through like just the first few pages of Google and you don't know. So finding a local group and asking, I mean, that's how I have found photographers like you, you know, like you, again, it's word of mouth. That's what I trust more. So great advice. Do, do a search on Facebook, word of mouth, give the details because I do think that therapists working in certain areas helps. I mean, it always does. Right. I mean, you don't want to just have a general therapist. You want someone that's worked with eating issues. And I say that because I have had clients over the years that I know they should not be working with a coach like me because they'll they'll say to me, Oh, and I'll go, Oh no, no, no. We're cutting this relationship. Now, if you have an eating issue, like your therapist would have never, and like, Oh, she said I could. I'm like, then you need to fire your therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And you know, the best part about therapists is that if you get in there and it turns out that, Hey, they don't actually specialize in this. Typically they will have someone that they trust that they can refer you to. And it's a daily practice, guys. You know, Lucy made a really big point here at the beginning about finding, you know, your identity, knowing your identity. You know, a lot of us, if we are, you know, looking for it, uncertain, you know, that's insecurities, not confident, you know, we're chasing things, we can be then chasing the the wrong things, right? And just unconsciously looking for that attention, you know, things that, you know, we think are good for us, because I know you're an achiever, and that can be really dangerous with weight loss. Like I know for yeah. me, there's that correlation of feeling like you're doing good, and you're getting the, the ad girls all the way down, well, then you can get to a place where it's really dangerous, because now it's, you know, going in the wrong direction, right? Right, right, absolutely. So where can people find you? I mean, first of all, if you're local to Lucy, if you live in Arkansas, you need to hire her to do your photos because <laughs> she's a photographer and I love all of her stuff. But where can people find you? Um, Instagram, obviously, but please spell out how they can find you. <laughs> That's the best part. So my my last name is Bear and I sound like a preschool teacher as it is Lucy Bear or a nickname. Um, but yes, you can find me on social media. It's Lucy, L-U-C-Y. Last name is spelled B-A-E-H-R. I will have it in the show notes. I will have it in the show notes, but yeah, you won't find her. If I just said Lucy bear, they'd be like, you will not. (laughs) And you have to check out hers because she does share posts that she talks a lot about the rawness and just you being pregnant right now. I think this is a really powerful transitioning time. And so I think, you know, post baby, I want us to do a follow-up and see how you're doing because there's all sorts of that stigma around pregnancy is massive. So I'm excited to see you on the other side of this because I I know your awareness is so high right now. So thank you so much for coming on today, Lucy. I have loved it. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Okay, another episode in the books. And I'll tell you what, I am loving this podcasting gig. I cannot thank you enough for all of the reviews, for the comments that you've been sending me. It gives me an idea of more of what you want to hear. And my one ask here is this. I would love it if you would screenshot this or hit the copy link and share this with people you think would benefit from hearing from me. It's the way I'm going to get my message out, my vision out, and I would so much appreciate it. I will continue to bring episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays with bonus ones on Saturdays with my husband, and I'm excited to share them with you. 